Welcome back, cousin, to another episode of Manifesto Radio. In this episode, we'll be speaking to men's coach and author, Wayne Levine. I'm your host, Adam Lamb. I'm a transformational coach who assists men to get their balls back by reconnecting them to their authentic power. We'll be talking to Wayne about his book, Hold On to Your Nuts, the Relationship Manual for Men, and what his journey's been like since he wrote the book 10 years ago. We'll also find about what he stands for and how he makes that manifest in the world. And this is your Manifesto Radio. This is Manifesto Radio with Adam Lamb. Health and wellness radio for men ready to create their version of masculinity. What are your values and how are you living that stand? And now your host, Adam Lamb. (laughs) Yeah, welcome again, cousin. Masculinity involves feminine qualities, and femininity involves masculine qualities. That quote by Dan Levy. Welcome again to another episode of Manifesto Radio, where we ask, what do you stand for, and how the hell would anybody know that? There's a tattoo on the inside of my right forearm. It's a big sword covered in vines, and the inscription reads, Discipline is the price of my gift. That's been a topic of conversation that we've been having over on Facebook every morning, Monday through Friday, where I do a masculine minute, 60 minute or a 60 second video. But in having this conversation, it seems like some people are all tripped up and triggered about the word discipline, or it seems like women are usually turned off by the word discipline and men kind of nod their head and understand it, even if they're not acting on it. So I wanted to kind of dive into this for a second and kind of give you a backstory on why I got it in the first place and what it means to me. I am not talking about discipline as a form of control. So all those people out there that might get, uh, you know, either enticed or triggered by a control freak in their lives, this is not what I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, it drills down even farther than that, where the discipline to me, the story that it means for me is that I get to have the discipline of choice every day. I'll give you an example. I slept with an old girlfriend the other day, kind of cheated on my wife, so to speak. And when I mean girlfriend, I mean cigarettes, and I mean something that I haven't done in a year. So I used to be a pretty heavy smoker, or at least a consistent smoker. And May last year, I decided to put the whole thing down, and I was happier for it, could breathe better, found all my body presses, uh, processes returning to normal pretty quickly. And... I was happy or perceptively happy until a couple months ago. I started noticing that everywhere I looked, people were smoking. And I mean, particularly on TV and commercials in movies, it seemed like more and more I started noticing smokers. Now, after having quit, I never needed to be, you know, hide myself away from smokers. I wasn't, you know, triggered by the smell or even pitied anybody that smoked I was actually pretty neutral about the whole circumstance so when my ego started to fuck with me and try to convince me that I could have only one I was in a susceptible spot so I'd pretty consistently made the choice to be a non-smoker or at the very least an ex-smoker until in a weak moment I decided that I was going to try it just let me have one how cool would it be if I could just have one a day or maybe one every other day, or be like those freaks of nature that I've seen that can smoke socially and not pick up a cigarette the rest of the week. And what I noticed is that as I started to cheat on my wife with this old girlfriend's cigarettes, is that I couldn't have just one. That pretty quickly the nicotine was working its magic and was creating a stress event in my body that I needed to respond to almost immediately, as if not only I hadn't ever I hadn't stopped smoking, but that I now would become a chain smoker. That freaked me out. That freaked me out not to have the freedom around it that I so craved. And so I had to come to the decision that freedom around this particular thing, i.e. cigarettes, meant that I needed the discipline to understand that I cannot be a casual smoker. That That's a fallacy and a lie that I have no want to deceive myself about. So for me, the discipline of the choice was again to choose to be a non-smoker every day. And at the very beginning, it was rough because I had to remind my 
self of that choice every minute of the day until 72 hours came out and now the nicotine's out of my body and because it had been very recently that I started there wasn't much of a physical habit to break but I just thought it was a very interesting thing to go through it's almost like you know you got an old girlfriend that uh, keeps popping up on your radar and you can't necessarily remember all the bad times, but you start convincing yourself of all the good times and you say, well, yeah, why don't I, why don't I check her out? Why don't I take her on a date? Until you find yourself there the next morning wanting to run out of the room and kick yourself in the head for the fact that you actually went there with her and now you're reminded of why you left in the first place. So I wish I could say that, you know, I was strong enough to never, ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight again. And I'm kind of ashamed to say that I cheated on my wife with this old girlfriend of mine, Nicotine. But the fact of the matter is I get to look myself in the mirror and say, okay, it's neither here nor there. It's neither positive or negative. It's neither, you know, this or that. It just was with the past tense being was, and now I get to choose other. And the discipline of the choice is really what I'm talking about. My life, the value of my life, actually means something to me. And because of that, I want to honor that gift by making consistent decisions that are in the highest for my body, for my mind, and my spirit, which is one of the reasons why I'm on this podcast today. Because I want to consistently make this choice to connect with you because it is in the highest for me because I get a lot out of it and I really appreciate you being here. So in a little bit, we're going to be talking to our very special guest, Wayne Levine. But uh, first, I wanted to mention that all the music in this episode is by Lobo Local and all the links discussed in this episode can be found in the show notes. Adam Lamb, and you're here on Manifesto Radio. I assist people to live happy lives. If you're ready to get into action and step deep into your life, then I encourage you to schedule a totally free, bullshit-free discovery call with me. There's no obligation. There's just direct, transparent, and supportive conversation. Hopefully, this is something that you're ready for in your life. I know I am. So if you want to go to adammlamb.com forward slash freedom, you'll be taken directly to a booking page where you can book this and get going. Here's our interview. Um, Wayne Levine is the director of Better Men's Coaching, and he's been mentoring men for about 25 years. And not only that, he's the best-selling author of, get this, How to Hold On to Your Nuts, A Men's Relationship Guide. So welcome to the show, Wayne. Yeah, thank you, Adam. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a catchy title for your book. Hold On to Your Nuts, The Relationship Manual for Men. Yeah, I was, look, I was going for catchy. 
That yeah. was uh, 10 years ago. When I and it, in, it's funny that you should mention 10 years ago. By the way, just, just as an aside, I always felt um, that really, I mean, men have this habit of like grabbing their crotches uh, when in uptight situations or when they're fronting up to one another. And uh, I always knew that it had nothing really to do with the penis, but really what they were hold, trying to hold on to protect with their nuts were the only mm. portion of the baby making apparatus that we can actually own. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, you know where that came from. I mean, obviously, um, men understand what it is to give their balls away in relationships. Yes. And and so that's where it was coming from. But it's also an acronym for non-negotiable, unalterable terms. So it's you know those boundaries, the things that you're committed to, the things that define you as a man. So if you don't hold on to those, and most men know what it feels like when when they let go of them, mm-hmm. very painful. And very difficult to get back, you know, in terms of uh, your integrity, um, your power, you know, especially if you're still in that relationship. But also men know that when they have given their nuts away uh, to a woman, um, it's, it becomes more painful when that relationship ends. Sure, sure, sure. There's a real sense of loss then. As right. a matter of fact, the tagline for the show is, you know, can a man open his heart without losing his balls? Oh, for sure. And I absolutely uh, believe that that's true. Which for some men, you know, they're on this side of that fear of like, you know, if I actually become transparent and vulnerable, aren't I giving away that that a portion of my manhood that's about, you know, standing in my strength and, and lies like that that we tell ourselves for all our lives? Yes, yes. Yeah, um, you know, listen, opening up your heart, uh, we, are, we are not taught to do that. So as kids I and mean, boys, we just, we just don't know what that means. <laughs> the good news is, is that there's a growing um, level of consciousness that's happening all over right. the world. And so there's a lot more support now around, obviously, this, this conversation we're having. There's a lot yeah. more conversation happening. And so hopefully men will be able to work through their fears to be able to see uh, what it really means to have your heart open. Because when your heart is open, you feel so completely different that you cannot really imagine it from the fearful place where you in, you're in right now. Right. Right. So yeah, it, it takes some work, but it's, it's worth doing. And the amazing thing is once you're in that space, it, uh, taking a step backward into that protected space just feels so constricting. Like now that you've got the contrast between having your heart closed and having your heart open, going backwards is just so painful, man. It's very painful. And, you know, it's not, it's not a linear sort of process, you know. Right. You're in it, you're out of it, you're in it, you're out of it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's um, you know, a, a great book is um, uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And he talks about opening up your heart. And he says that the way to learn to open up your heart Really, the way to keep your heart open is to learn not to close it. Because right. our heart is open when we're born, right? And then we learn that we must protect ourselves mm-hmm. from you know, all the shit that happens and parents and culture and pain. And so we end up having the heart closed more than it's open and we forget what it feels like when it's open. Um, Before we get into kind of... I, because I really want the listeners to get a sense of you, not only what you're doing right now, but your story and how you got here. But just as a quick aside, so since you wrote that book 10 years ago, and certainly, as you mentioned, there's lots of conversations that are up to be having, some very, very difficult ones, whether it's the Me Too movement or mm-hmm. the pushback from some men and whatever. So in regards to men in relationships, what have you seen change in the 10 years since you wrote the book? Well, I've changed. I, I think that's, that's the most important thing. You know what I mean? Awesome. Like, awesome. I, I see the world through my eyes. Right. So the work that I did and how I ran my groups and where, how I guided men 10, 15 years ago, it, it's changed so much because I've grown up and I've really committed to my spiritual path. And although the fundamentals like in the book, the tools that I offer are still valid, what I what I see now is that it's all resting on the spiritual foundation. And if we focus more on that, it takes care of a lot of the problems, right? So I've gotten tired of hearing all the complaints about what happened today and how my wife is this and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Because we can attack those symptoms over and over and over and over again and really not make progress. 
But right. when we start to see how they're connected to whether we are connected to something else, what our faith is, what our philosophy about how the universe works. I mean, when we're connected to all of that, we can make fundamental shifts that make a lot of the problems go away. Very well said. Um, I understand the necessity of this particular, of what you're talking about, but how do you actually bridge that conversation to someone who's coming to you for coaching or guidance or mentorship that may not necessarily have the same grasp on spirituality that that you might? Well, I sort of just integrate it. Like a lot of the men that I'm dealing with, that I work with, are before, during, after divorce. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's such a difficult, painful, scary process. Yeah. And, but I introduce the spiritual component right away because um, what we're dealing with is really not the divorce. It's not about the divorce. It's not about her. It's about you. You know, you're in the divorce because you're who you are. You're having the pain in the process because of who you are because of your attachments, because of how, because of your relationship with everything in your life. And so it's just, I think it's very helpful to say, listen, we're going to go on this path. I'll help you try not to make too many stupid choices along the way so that you save your money, you save your integrity, you're a good example to the kids, whatever you need to go through the process. But know that you're, you're healing. It's, it's a healing process here. And if you can open up to um, sort of a bigger picture and feel like you are a part of something larger than yourself, it actually can become very comforting along the way. And it helps to speed up the process, don't you find? Yeah. Well, it becomes a different process too, doesn't it? Like, right. I mean, I've been around divorce a long time because of the men. And, uh, and I recently completed my divorce after being married 32 years or so. And um, we can just be so in it and you lose all perspective and you can prolong it and you can make it worse. I mean, usually it's what happens when you have no perspective, you know, your head is so far up your ass during this process. You're so scared. You're so angry. You're betrayed. You see the legal system for what it is. You, you're homicidal. I mean, it's, 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 it's such a terrible place to be that, um, you, if, if you just rely on your own counsel, if you don't ask for help, you definitely can prolong it and make it a much more painful uh, process for yourself. This aspect about, you know, asking for help, I, I want to return uh, to in a little bit, but, uh, you know, you've been around men for 25 years, especially in these moments of crisis, you know, before, after, during a divorce. Um, and usually that's when real change occurs, not only in the semantics of your living day to day, but in, in one's heart, do you, have you found that there is a shift towards like my father would never ask for help ever, 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 ever. As a matter of fact, he was dead at 61 because he kept living that lie of, you know, being a good provider and, you know, being a good soldier and never, you know, I learned a lot from his passing. Um, but do you think that, do you think that we've, gotten to a place where men don't necessarily have to be in crisis before they decide that, uh, that maybe they could use some help or some guidance. Well, or, or do our feet have to be in the fire every single goddamn time? Well, uh, we are slow to learn. (laughs) So men are not necessarily the brightest species. Yeah, I'll Um, get that. There is a lot of help now, though, these days, right? Like our fathers, it was much more difficult to ask for help because of the generation they came out of and really just what was available. Yeah. I mean, my, my father was 43 when he died, and he was very unhappy. And I inherited, um, I mean, we can talk more about that because I've actually been going through a lot of healing around this. I inherited his frustration, his sadness his pain. I mean, I absolutely know I did. It's in my DNA. And I've been doing work lately to release that for myself so that my son can not carry that on and actually to help release the souls of my father and his father and his father. So there is help now. And, you know, I've been talking about this for years. It's like, um, if you reach out for help, you don't have to go through the crisis. 
But we live in a culture where men have been taught to carve it out themselves. And we're so isolated. There's so much shame, right, associated with asking for help that we don't. Yeah. Until, until, I mean, it's, ru- it's wrecked. Like the relationship is absolutely wrecked. God knows what you've done with your finances, with your relationship with the kids, you know? So long story short, yes, um, there are men's groups. You know, I run men's groups. There are coaches, there are therapists. There are so many things. I'm sure we'll talk about some of the other things that you can do to to grow. Yes, do all of it. Be a seeker. Ask for help. Do it now. And, you know, my son is 27. He's in a relationship and I tell him, like, you got to do your work now. Like, to know before you even know if this woman is the woman, <laughs> constantly be doing your work. And I just think it's, right. it's good advice. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, can you give us a sense of, of what your journey's been like? Uh, I mean, I know that we... we painful. I'd love to sit here for three it's, hours. It's been, it's been painful, Adam. <laughs> That's what my journey has been like. Well, listen, so I wanted to ask you about your debt. So do you think that there was any aspect, and I'm not trying to do a spur of the moment coaching or anything, but I'm just kind of guided to ask this question. So do you think that you inherited this, uh, this grief and bitterness from your father, if I'm saying it correctly, in, in some sort of empathy with him, like to kind of close ranks with him, to, to understand him more? Or do you think it was in reaction to something else? Well, I think, um, wow, that's a good one. Because we inherit so much from our dads and, and, and yes. I'm really connecting with what you're saying because I'm just looking at my own life and my own dad and what I took on for him. Okay, let me, talk, let me tell you something. Okay, let me tell you this thing. This is fresh, okay? Okay, let's First go time, hot off the press. So I, I was nine years old when my dad died. I don't have really memories of my dad Uh and and it's something that I've been wanting to unblock all my life. I've done so many things. Mm. In any case, I have one memory. He bought me a playboy calendar when I was like seven or eight years old. Wow. And this is back in like 69. So it's a spiral thing, you know? So I ripped all the pages out and I taped them on my wall around my bookshelf. My mom was furious, and my dad said, leave him alone, let him do what he wants to do. Right. And I, through the years, I always thought of that moment like, oh, that's when my dad really stood up for me and stood up to my mom, right? But lately, through a lot of the work I'm doing, I had this connection. I thought, no, 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 no. How could me as an eight-year-old have given a shit about Playboy photos? Right. Where did that come from? And I realized that was my dad's. I mean, I, I cannot tell you by memory how it happened, but I know that an eight-year-old in 1969, what, there was nothing, there was no internet, there was nothing on, there was nothing. Right. right? The, the society wasn't so sexualized as it is now. So somehow... I, I received that from my dad because he was sexually frustrated. He was very unhappy in his, his marriage mm-hmm. as I became right. in mine. And I didn't know what to do about it, right? He certainly had no idea. And my son has some of that in him now. So I could see the direct line, right? So, so there's been a big sort of revelation lately. Like, oh, this is where it comes from. It wasn't all mine. This frustration is not all mine. And it's one of the things that I talk about a lot with the guys, like energetically, the things that we are experiencing, we just sort of assume that this is just me. This is how I feel. There's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. versus, wait a second, there's my legacy. There's DNA, epigenetics, the people in my life, the people in the room, the people in the street, like energy is coming from all over. And one of the tricky parts is, especially if you're sensitive and an empath, you have to start understanding that it's not all yours and then figure out how to deal with it. So, yes. So I, and and then at the same time, doing this work 
and understanding myself has helped me to understand my father more right so i think it's sort of both both pieces yeah um i think one of the most powerful questions that i've learned to ask is is this even mine yeah you know when i have all of a sudden when i get depressed or or, uh, emotional you know just to be able to check in saying is this even mine it could be you know it could be the collective it could be my wife it could be my kids it could be my dad and i generated a much more uh, intense relationship with my dad since he's passed away if if and i think that you understand that in my daily meditations i've come to find out that he is actually one of my teachers and i asked him in a meditation like what the hell are you here to teach me and he said hmm. compassion and grace and i said for who you know kind of incredulously he said for for you and then for me and mm-hmm. i was like oh very nice yes he had that question of is it mine um you know people you know the men ask how do you how do you do that like how do you know right and that is part of that spiritual conversation mm-hmm. like you know eventually by becoming more and more aware more and more in tune more and more sensitive you know, through meditation through plant medicine through all these things you do start to feel it and then you start trusting your intuition around it mm-hmm. which is which has always been the key in terms of being the man you want to be, if, if you can't hear that voice, if you can't trust your intuition, you can't trust anything. Yeah, I've had s- several moments in my life where there were clearly other things going on than what I could see. And in the moment, I might have been uh, really enthralled with this transformative experience, but very quickly thereafter, my ego very easily convinces me that I made it all up. Yes. You know, that you actually didn't hear a voice, that you weren't actually guided to that. It was just circumstance or da 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 And yes. the issue of trust that you brought up, I think, is so, so incredibly important because just now, even in my life and doing this work for a long time, getting to the space of trusting myself is a fucking big thing, brother. Well, yes. Trusting yourself. There's a, there's um, the wisdom is within. Mm-hmm. answers are all here i mean even in counseling the you possess the answers the question is will you pay attention can sure. you listen to what your heart is telling you what your soul is telling you and um you you know uh it reminds me of something else this is good this is a good conversation uh in in the work transformational work people are always talking about building a self a uh, safe container yeah okay and I always had trouble with it. Me like, too. It was like a safe container. What does that mean? And I began to believe that I don't need a safe container. Um, my safety comes from trusting myself. Right. So if I'm in the circle of 10 men, and there's someone in that circle that I know, I, I, I get where this guy's coming from. Right. I know that I don't trust him, but I can still do and say whatever I want because I trust me and I, and I know what's okay and what's not okay versus somebody else saying, I'm going to create this safe container for you. Right. Right. Now, certainly you want to create a container like, you know, a sacred space. I'm not dissing any of that, but that safety part, we need to own that, right, ourselves, I think. Yeah, embracing radical responsibility to me has been kind of, uh, you know, you mentioned plant medicine a little earlier. Uh, last year I had a pretty transformative experience with plant medicine, and it's been a year and I'm still integrating. And one of the things that, if, that I keep coming back to is this aspect of radical responsibility, of taking 100% responsibility of how, not only how I'm showing up in the world, but the interpretation that I'm receiving and making like my search of an unconditional moment where I'm the one that gets to choose how I feel about circumstances as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, it's, you know, we're just, it's just all a movie. We're just yeah. projecting the movie where we, we really are creating everything. And when you, when, when you start to pay attention to all that, you realize how you are bringing all of these experiences into your life. You keep recreating the trauma from your youth until you, pay attention you keep recreating 
the power struggle between your parents in your relationship. Couldn't agree more. Right. Until you see it and then you can stop it. Right. Holy shit. I've seen this movie before. (laughs) Well, you know, it's like the difference between, um, so we were talking about it in, in one of my groups last night. Um, uh, one of the guys had a little video and he was talking about, um, we can all agree that, um, life is tough. So I was watching this video and I, and so I wrote a little bit on his Facebook. I said, what do you mean we can agree that life is tough? I mean, is, if that's your context, life is tough. Mm-hmm. But if, if your context is, um, life is a gift. Are you, what are your experiences going to be like? It's not as if there's not going to be pain, but you know, the pain is in the resistance. So, how much pain are you going to have with each of these moments, with each of these layers of growth? Is it just going to be tough and painful or is it going to be less painful? Correct. Right. And more really good gratitude, more gratitude. Like, wow, I'm so glad I went through that fire. I know it was hard, but I'm so glad I went through it. Look what I feel today. Yep. Yep. That's very, very powerful. You know, the context is everything. I, I, I'm starting to come to this place where I keep referring to my life as an adventure, you know, and if we were hiking in the woods and having this great adventure, there are going to be some days that, you know, the way is going to be sloppy and muddy and rainy. And there's going to be sometimes there's, there's beautiful sunshine and lots of birds out. So the context is really, really important. And this aspect of the safe container, just as a quick aside, my, my wife, Jennifer and I were having this conversation and she said, we're on a hike as a matter of fact, and, uh, in motion is very often when these large conversations start to occur between she and I. And she's like, uh, you know, I'm getting a little tired. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, well, I've been holding this container for our relationship for so long and waiting you, waiting for you to either step into it or grow into that container. Um, and I looked at her and I realized that I, my intuition was is that a lot of women do that. They hold this ask this idea of the of what the relationship can become mm-hmm. and hoping that everybody kind of grows into it as opposed to actually be present to what it is. And I asked Jennifer, I said, can you do me a favor? Can you just throw that fucking container on the ground and let it shatter into a million pieces? Because I want, I'd like our relationship to go, go beyond that container. But as long as there's a container or an expectation, then how is it supposed to ever grow beyond that? Yeah, I understand that. I mean, it's sort of like a phase. I mean, and it makes sense that she brought it to you when she was done with it yeah. and you're ready now and you don't need it. But, you know, women are oriented towards relationship and especially, mm-hmm. you know, the women are the ones who are more connected, usually, not always. More consistently, right? And they they are about relationship and because of the way we're socialized, we're about making money, you know, and we're, we're not usually men have not been uh, conscious. It's changing now. Right. Um, and so the women have been waiting. The women have been trying. Um, the women are powerful, divine feminine. I mean, all the patriarchy is dying. All this stuff is, it's real. Yeah, man. And we want it to be real because, um, we want the women to rise. We, I mean, uh, I've spent the last couple of years, I have this, I have this tattoo. <laughs> I can't get it. My arm nice thing, man. Yeah. It's a, it's the divine feminine and it's on my left side. The left side is feminine, right side's masculine. And I was told a couple of years ago that I needed to nurture my, my feminine. I needed to, um, get, become uh, connected to it that I wasn't. And I've been around men for so long and I didn't know what that meant. Right. And slowly I began to understand it and read about it. And um, what I'm finding now is that the ability to, uh, to connect with the emotions, to connect with the energy and to let the energy move through you and change is a feminine quality. Sure. And because that's been developed now, when I feel something, uh, whatever it is, good, bad, or indifferent, it can move much more quickly now. It's like you mentioned depression and stuff. You know, I've had my share of anxiety and anger and all that stuff. But now it can move. Or jealousy, right? I could feel it 
and let it go. Right. Right. Be able to pivot. Yes. And, and in the past I was never able to do that because if I felt it, I just locked onto it (laughs) because that's what guys do. It's like, I got it. Like, what the hell is this? I'm going to beat this down. Live there until you can conquer it. Yeah. So, so it's another important component. I know we're, we're, we're touching on so many important things very quickly, but uh, to understand masculine and feminine energy is critical. I mean, David Data has been, you know, offering up that wisdom for a long time. And, but there are lots of different ways of looking at it and lots of really good material out there that men can uh, really benefit from now. Let's take a break. You're listening to Manifesto Radio with Adam Lamb and guest Wayne Levine. If you're just joining us, this is Manifesto Radio with Adam Lamb, and we're speaking to guest Wayne Levine. You were mentioning before about this uh, this aspect of our fathers going through their stuff and not having anywhere to go, um, even as as early as you know, ten, fifteen years ago, when I was going through my dark night of the soul, I did not have any concept of a men's work or b like where I would even start to look for it. And since I've started my journey, I've been kind of connecting the dots with organizations and people out there who, who embody this work so brilliantly. And I'm just so tickled that you and I finally got a chance to connect because as I said, before we got on the show that, that I'm a big fan of your work. And um, I think what you're doing is really, really important. So I'm going to say thank you uh, from the collective. And so where you're at right now, speaking about the fact that, you know, in 10 years you've changed, what would you say are some of your core beliefs in those immutable truths that you stand for? And how are you actually living that stand in your life right now? Okay. Mm. The collective. I'm in a new relationship with a goddess. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's not all, you know, fun and games. No, man. It is the hardest thing a man will ever do. Because we're in it together and we have agreed that we're sharing it all and we're working through it and we're supporting each other through our growth. And uh, I've been, I was married for 30 something years. I have a lot of healing to do because I uh, didn't know who I was. I went along. I was a good little boy. Um, I was afraid to tell the truth. Really. I was afraid to tell the truth. So um, what are my nuts really? Um, I, I must have the difficult conversations. I, there is no option. Um, everything that, uh, is on my mind, I am going to have a conversation about. And that has led, uh, my partner and I to talk about everything like sexually fantasies, pain, trauma, what we're afraid of, what we need, what we want, what we're ashamed of, 
like we're sharing it all. And um, now I have the kind of relationship I want, but some days I don't like it, right? <laughs> you know, because, you know. Why can't it be easy? Why does everything have to be a goddamn learning moment? <laughs> uh, listen, I, I, I'm praying for a little break. <laughs> I am really, totally I am praying for a break. Um, because part of my journey is to bring more joy into my life because I, I didn't see it when I was young. Mm. It's not something that comes easily for me. And I want to live it. I want to live joy. And I have help now. So um, right now, um, she is in Barcelona and I'm in the States. I came back to run a retreat, take care of some business, but we've been traveling the world. So um, I sold all my stuff. I mean, I, I had to give... I got married in California. I got divorced in California. I had to buy my way out of my marriage. And literally, oh. um, I had to give it almost all away. Right. And so um, the good news is I've learned to not have such an attachment to money and things. And we are stretching the dollars by um, moving around. And we were in Southeast Asia and we're, we're going all over the place, trying to find a home, trying to find a community, trying to find who we are and individually who we are together. Right. Right. And, um, uh, wow. There's so many things going through my, my mind. So, um, so I'm living it now by, by trying to, and by being as authentic as I can be. This is my truth. This is what I want. I'm ashamed maybe to say what I want, but if I have that conversation, it will lead to another conversation and another one and it gets deeper and deeper. And so I guess really the, the most important thing in my mind right now is that we have to have the courage to have the difficult conversations and to, and to see what are we afraid of? Why are we not having it? Why am I not talking to her about this or to him or to them? And we, we begin to see how trapped we are and how it has developed so slowly over the years that we didn't see it happening. Right. It's like the same way as we, we compromise ourselves very gradually. <laughs> and it's not until we're really miserable that we realize what the hell have I done? How did I, this happen? It was just yesterday and everything was fine. And now it's complete garbage. When, when in fact it's been the fraud, the, you know, the frog in the beaker analogy, you know, the Bunsen mm -hmm. burner gets turned on very, very low. And before you know it, frog is cooked. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my, my frog was cooked. <laughs> Listen, um, I know that there are some people who are going to be listening to this that are incredibly inspired by not only your story, but the way that you're approaching life right now. Uh, and some of what you were talking about in regards to what it's like to be with a goddess and the fact that you guys have committed to being together uh, speaks to me right now, uh, especially where I'm at, because, um, you know, I'm married to a goddess and we started this relationship has been going on five years, but there's part of me that still wants to cling to an uh, individual identity for me separate from her. So what you're saying really lands with me. So I want to say thank you for, for speaking that truth. Hmm. Um, if you were going to say anything to yourself 30 years ago, maybe there's a listener out there that, that really doesn't even know what his core beliefs are or how to make a stand for any of it. Who's just kind of plugged into the matrix and, and just kind of doing the best he can. Yes. What would you say? Wow. Well, I have these conversations with my son, so I'm privileged, you know, and we, we talk about, um, if you can imagine it, there's somebody or many somebodies in this world who are doing it. I mean, if you can imagine a lifestyle, there's someone who's doing it. Mm. What do you want? Not, what did your parents tell you was good and what are your friends doing and how much money are they making? And, you know, uh, and, and how many of your friends have lost their lives to follow crypto 24 hours a day? And <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean the traps go on and on, right? Mm -hmm. What is in your heart? You know, and what are you doing to slow down, to listen to what you really want? And I think yoga and meditation are important. Reading, workshops, uh, ayahuasca, cacao, mushrooms. I mean, all these things, if you do it responsibly, 
can get you closer to your truth because there's a book, The Four Agreements, a very popular book, right? And at, in the beginning of the book, the author talks about the domestication of humans. And he says that um, by the time we are adults, I think, that, you know, I'm getting close, maybe 95% of who we think we are is not who we are. Because all we are is the sum total of our desire to move away from pain and consequence and punishment and move towards validation and praise and reward. Mm -hmm. And so from the, the very beginning of our time on the planet, oh, I'm getting yelled at. I won't do that. Oh, they don't like that. I won't do that. And so we just move away from what's painful. And all of a sudden, who are we? Like, if we didn't have all those responses and we were nurtured to actually go where our little hearts wanted us to go, who would we be? Right. And so now, I mean, and, and, then, and then taking all the pain from my cold, withholding, angry, bitter mother and marrying into a, a situation where there were, there, there were similarities. I don't want to be mean. The, you know, I, <clears throat> I wasn't conscious to it. And, she, and we were great when we were younger. But the truth was, there were things there that I just perpetuated. And there were things that I was unconscious to. So I recreated a lot of that pain. After all these years, who am I? And I mean, some days it's, it's been frightening. And I wonder, has that ship sailed? Will I ever know? Can I ever get through all this bullshit that I have learned to believe about myself and about how the world works? So what I want to do is just say that, that it's possible and it's, it's happening. And it certainly helps to have a woman who is connected to her divine feminine, you know, and connected to the universe to support me as I very ineloquently <laughs> go about my process. <laughs> that is beautifully put, Wayne, beautifully put. And listen, as you said, you know, we covered a lot of ground in a, small, in a very short time. Um, and I want you to know that I, I'd love to have you back on the show. I know that you've got a lot going on, especially with moving around the world and you're still actively coaching uh, and mentoring men and, and doing your circles and, you know, doing your thing with better men coaching. But I, I got to tell you, man, I, just thank you very, very much from the bottom of my heart for being here and making time for our listeners, you know, uh, well met and welcome into the community of, of harmonized men. But if they want to learn more about you, if they want to work with you, mm -hmm. if they heard anything on this podcast that has piqued their interest and they want to dive in deeper, how do they get in touch with you? Um, yeah. Uh, Facebook, Betterman Coaching, uh, BettermanCoaching.com, uh, Wayne Levine. You know, you'll find <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. And, and um, yeah, so I do my work via Skype, right? Yeah. Right. And it works great. Uh, I mean, it, it's as effective as our conversation. So yeah. do, you, do you also do group, uh, like the men's circles also, do you do that also by Skype? Yeah. Um, so I've been doing groups for years and years out of Agora Hills, California. And I, you know, the men have seen my process and they, and I said, I'm, I'm leaving. So what do we do? Right. And uh, so the suggestion came up, why don't I try Skype? And remarkably, it works so that they all still gather weekly. I have Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night groups. They all still gather weekly in my office in California, and I'm on the screen wherever I am. Very cool. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. It, like within the first session, there was no more discussion about it. It just happened, right? Because the energy is still there. And so now that I'm back in town, you know, I, I've been going to the office and it's, it's good to be in the room with the men. Yeah. But, but the work is the work. And so uh, I'm grateful to be able to have that because, uh, you know, we all have to make a living. That's awesome because I, I have a group in Asheville uh, that, uh, you know, I've recently been traveling a lot and the idea has been like, okay, so how can we do this digitally? And, and the fear was, is that it just wouldn't carry the same way, but but hearing you kind of like, you know, there's a little bit of adjustment and then so what? Because like you said, the work is the work. Yes. And if they, if we were all on separate screens in our own 
sort of space? I don't know. Aha. Uh-huh. I don't know. Haven't done it. <clears throat> I yeah, know that's that they're, a great point. Right? They, they're all gathering together. So they feel the energy. And I have them circle up and we're lighting sage. I mean, there are things going on, right? At the same time, I know that um, my girl has been um, part of circles where w- with women that they're all over the world. She can't see any of them. They just hear the leader. And it's really powerful. So, you know, I think all things are possible. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time, brother. Really, well met. Pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for sticking with us. Listen, if you know it's time and you're ready to take on your life, then I encourage you to schedule a totally free, bullshit-free discovery call with me, Adam M. Lamb. No obligation, just direct, transparent, and supportive conversation at adammlamb.com forward slash freedom. If you or someone you know needs help, call 1-800-273-8255 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can also text HOME to 741-741 for free 24-hour support from the crisis text line. If you're outside of the U.S., please visit the International Association for Suicide Prevention for a database of resources. This episode was produced and directed by Bobby Sox. Interviews and reviews recorded and edited by Amy Lane. Research and analysis by Thelma Louise. The studio technician for this episode was Charles Horse. Manifesto Radio is a proud supporter of... The Mankind Project. MKP is a nonprofit training and education organization for men with three decades of proven success, hosting life changing experiential personal development programs for men. MKP supports a global network of free, peer facilitated men's groups and supports men in leading lives of integrity, authenticity, and service. Get involved at mankindproject.org. And Journeyman. Journeyman of Asheville mentors adolescent young men and boys aged 12 to 17 during their transformation to becoming men. Their mentors model authentic masculinity and nurture self-awareness and emotional growth while challenging and assisting boys to discover their unique gifts. They honor their emerging masculinity and youthful energy alike. In short, they help teenage boys grow into men. Donate or become a mentor at journeymanashville.org. Tune in for our next episode with Jennifer Huff at www.manifestoradio.com. You can subscribe to the show at the website or on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or TuneIn. Please take a moment to leave a kind review. It really does help our reach. And you can reach me at the show at facebook.com forward slash manifesto radio or on Twitter at radio underscore manifesto. And you can reach out directly to me at adam at manifestoradio.com. Until next time, be well, do well, take good care of one another. We're all we got. I'm Adam Lamb. Thanks for listening. Honey, leave the hall light on. I'll be coming home soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Manifesto Radio, part of the Wide Awakening Network. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Produced, directed, and hosted by Adam M. Lamb. Adam is a best-selling author, speaker, and relationship coach for men. Find out what's possible for you at www.adammlamb.com. 